This is Saturday Morning Mysteries. And we're your hosts, Alexis and Grace. Good morning, and welcome to Saturday Morning Mysteries. We're your hosts. I'm Grace. This is Diorite. And I'm Alexis. <laughs> and we're, oh, okay, bye. Oh, oh, God. Oh, oh. <laughs> Calamity, if you're watching the podcast, it was like a pseudo-apocalypse. Oh, God. Diorite jumped off Grace's lap and the camera almost went flying. Oh, well, he did not want to be a guest star today. Yeah, he was, he, he was like, I am not getting paid for this guest appearance. He was being very friendly, y'all, literally until we started talking. Yeah, he was up here giving me licks. He yeah, was, he's getting he comfortable. Hanging. He just settled in. And then he's like, oh, shit, there were, he's camera shy. Right, yes, he so, is. He's a yeah. very shy boy. It's true. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. Um, anyways, anyway, hi, welcome. <laughs> Hello. How are you? <laughs> to the chaos of yeah. <laughs> my life and our show. Uh, we're here on our last Curse Cowardly Dog episode. We are. A bittersweet Which is day. crazy. Yes, yeah. it feels like it's gone very quickly. Um, mm. We hope you've enjoyed our uh, courage journey with lots of crazy monsters and criminals and ghouls and and all of the above uh alexis will be taking us on our uh final our final courage journey Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. take her away okay so if y'all were joining us last week we heard grace tell the story of uh the bag family taking a nice vacation Mm -hmm. to the antarctic i won't go too deep into what (laughs) happened in that episode because if you didn't listen then obviously we want you to go back and listen after this one but in that episode it was funny that grace said they were on vacation because i noted that she was doing the episode that comes immediately after the episode that i will be talking about Mm -hmm. today and grace mentioned like well what the fuck happened in your episode then to (laughs) cause them to go on vacation on my episode yeah and let me tell you um, a fuck ton happens to them in today's episode. <laughs> okay, so it's a deserved vacation. <laughs> they have a very mm. deserved vacation. Okay. Uh, this is going to combine the creepy monsters and some crime. So it'll be a perfect way to like wrap Ooh. up our courage arc here as we're kind of combining all of the crazy lore that these nice. writers like to uh, kind of mix together into these episodes. Yes. So cool. today I will be reinterpreting (laughs) slash retelling the episode from season one episode seven part b and it is called everyone wants to direct right like ain't that so true everyone wants to be the boss number one and everyone (laughs) wants to just like direct movies or like watch movies and write movies for the rest of their life how true is that great title so obviously we're going to be talking a little bit about cinema and about filmmaking and movie magic and all that is going to be going on in today's episode and I'm not really going to do a lot of wild speculation or really any wild speculation because the writers actually did a good job I think putting a backstory behind today's criminal slash criminals plural so I'm just going to tell the story and obviously we're going to have a lot of fun making it funnier (laughs) and uh joking about what the fuck is going on here so (laughs) The episode starts, it's a nice evening, a full moon, actually, evening, um, and the Bag family, they're watching, as per usual, TV, 
in their home mm-hmm. because there's absolutely nothing else to do in the <laughs> middle of nowhere, Kansas. And as they're watching TV and like the light from the full moon is kind of shining into the house, there is a very loud knock at the door. And this knock like freaks courage the fuck out. I mm. don't know why. It's like he can sense that someone bad already is on the other side. Mm. And so Muriel, she gets up and makes her way to the door and opens it. And we just see on the other side, this bone thin, very tall, disheveled looking man with green skin, green teeth, a purple tongue and green eyes i don't know why all these characters in my past couple of episodes just had like fungus growing on them. <laughs> fungus. <laughs> fungus man and uh and he only has like a few patches of maybe like reddish hair kind of sticking out of Ooh, okay his head he's wearing like this very frayed and tattered dark green suit but he did not forget to add a nice little accent piece he's got on this red and yellow polka dot ascot around his neck interpreting uh or you know like kind of living up to his freddie jones sort of uh, (laughs) style guide okay i like it i like it yeah so this guy also just to round out his description he's got on these very thick framed glasses even thicker than mine and a really (laughs) large oddly like regular skin color nose again oh. uh, regular skin color for a white person i guess but it for like for like someone again, who the rest of them is green is like, green right they just like, have like a human skin tone compared to the green <laughs> with these big ass <gasps> thick frame glasses okay and he's just very like hunched over and like bent at the knees a little bit bad posture kind mm-hmm. of holding his hands together And this man, this disheveled man, introduces himself as uh, Benton Tarantella, the famous independent movie director. (laughs) You already know how excited I am for this episode. It's going to make me cry from laughter right now. That's so fucking funny. Sorry, guys. If you're listening to the podcast, we're both just having a moment. It's going to be silent for a second as we just laugh through this and rub our eyes. This is the best um, pop culture nod in all of our shows so far. I think so. My favorite directors of all time. I think so. Like, yes, straight up. Um, yeah, this that one line there solidified it for me as like, all right, well, two seconds into this episode, I've got to do it. You can't you can't make a punny name for Quentin Tarantino wow. and expect me to just like not, not do, do the episode. Wow, this is iconic already. Wow. Already. Okay. Again, if you have stuck with us for a while, we've talked about Quentin Tarantino and how much we both love his movies in yes. the past, how much of an amazing director he is. Yes. Pretty much every single movie of his that I've seen, which I think is like all but one or two of them, is like mm-hmm. on my list of favorite movies. Yep. It goes without saying who this guy is. If if you don't know who Quentin Tarantino is, I'm very sorry. Go back. I don't even remember what episode that was where we talked about know. him. Just go back and listen Either to all way. of our episodes. If you're <laughs> yeah, until you we, find we, it. <laughs> until you find it. It's in there somewhere. <laughs> we, we've mentioned him before. Yes. But suffice it to say, he's probably one of the best 
living movie directors uh, right now. So yes, this, this man so though, encouraged cowardly dog is Benton Tarantella. <laughs> and again, of course, he is a famous independent movie director, or at least that is how he introduces himself to Muriel and Eustace. Mm-hmm. And so Muriel, she is like immediately starstruck in awe, excited to be in the presence of a famous person because again, they live in the middle of but fuck nowhere, excuse me. Like, what are you doing here, sir? And she begins to like instantly warm up to this guy and invites him in the house. And so they're sitting at the kitchen table, which also, sorry. Okay, actually, to be fair, if like in the real world, Quentin Tarantino just knocked on my door one day, like, hi, I'm Quentin Tarantino. I'd be like, holy shit, do you want some tea? Yeah, I'd be like- do the same thing. What? At first I was like, why are you letting this man in the house? But okay. It will get you places. True, it will. Like having tea at a random farmhouse in the middle of nowhere, Kansas. Yep, the perks of fame. (laughs) Perks. (laughs) They don't tell you about that in film school. (laughs) So sitting at the kitchen table, Benton is explaining to the Bag family that he was just driving by, scouting out locations for his latest blockbuster, Uh. which... Lol, they don't even call it Blockbuster anymore, <laughs> I don't think. And it's also funny because Blockbuster, the actual store, is no more. But anyway, yes. so Muriel is very excited, thinking, oh my gosh, like, is, is he interested in using our house? And yeah. Eustace, though, he's kind of just brushing it off. Like, so what does this have to do with us? And Benton tells the family that coincidentally, his next film is called The Return of the Zombies from Beneath the Farm. Uh And he was like quoting the script up in their face, like, see, here it is. I'm telling you Mm -hmm. the truth. And Muriel, she's even more impressed now, like, oh, wow, a real script. And Eustace is still just like, who is a strange man in our house? (laughs) Again, what does any of this have to do with us? Mm -hmm. And it's hilarious, though, because Muriel is clearly just trying to, like, bring some excitement into their boring lives. Like, isn't it exciting, Eustace? Look, look. And he's like, eh, whatever. And she's like, (laughs) (laughs) no one ever comes to visit us, let alone a movie. Movie director, a movie star. Where yeah. I was like, you could take me away from here, please. Use my farm <laughs> for whatever disheveled you looking man. Anyway, which like also hilarious because Quentin Tarantino is so disheveled looking he in real is. life too. Yeah, constantly. he's very. It's like, God, do you have a suit that fits, dude? No. <laughs> His hair is always home. just. Yeah, and he always so he seems like a. He seems like an anxious person. Like, yes, I shouldn't, and maybe. Not to say that there's good anxiety and bad anxiety, but almost like a squirrel type of anxiety. You know, like he's very like he seems like paranoid too. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? Like nothing against so whatever. Exactly. Like you're still a genius. We love you, dude. Sorry, you're listening. If you are, oh my god, amazing. I'll retire (laughs) right now. (laughs) No, Uh, not to talk shit about him, but like, yeah, this is just like the vibe he gets off when you watch Quentin Tarantino Mm -hmm. doing um, interviews. Anything. Yeah, but Benton is actually pretty suave. I'll say, oh, he, like, okay. is talking very smoothly, mm. and he's like, "Yeah, this will be a perfect location for my next movie. Perfect." Mm. So he's very calm and, like, honestly, has this weird charm to him. Aside from the fact that he is pretty much bone and green skin, and that's it, <laughs> and with like matted red patches of hair. Uh-huh. So anyway. Um, 
Benson tells them that he actually wants to make his movie right here at the Bag family farmhouse. And at first, Eustace is not at all interested in the offer. Mm-hmm. But of Classic. course, after Benton's like, oh, but I will right. give you tons of cash. Literally, quote unquote, of tons course. is all that he says. And Eustace <laughs> is like, give me the contract. <laughs> so Eustace and Muriel are skimming over this contract, which I think somewhere on it says literally like a trillion dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? Who knew? Something is not right here. (laughs) They're not lawyers like you, Alexis. Sorry, you're right. They didn't know how to read the contract. Apparently, Courage is a lawyer, though, because he's like, no, 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 wait, don't sign that. Do not sign this. Good Good boy, boy. Courage. Good boy. And as Muriel and Eustace are like looking down, reading over this contract, Courage is in between telling them, don't sign it. And also going back and like looking at Benton to see what this guy is up to. Mm. And Benton is across the kitchen and Courage notices his glasses fall off of his face. Uh-huh. But coincidentally, his white person colored nose also falls so, off mm, of his face like that. with the glasses. And we just see a gaping hole where an actual nose should be. Oh, no. So... Courage is clearly openly freaking out now about this guest of theirs, trying to warn Muriel and Eustace that he suspects this guest to actually be an undead slash revenant slash zombie of Mm. some sort. Yeah. Yeah. Not good. I don't think he's actually going to have those trillions of dollars for (laughs) Eustace. Zombies don't typically have bank accounts. (laughs) Most importantly, though. (laughs) <laughs> is the show still on so from ben taren whatever's usual cast uma thurman <laughs> sam jackson sam jackson leo dicaprio of late you just see that they're all they're flying into nowhere as we speak <laughs> As we speak. Yeah, was that in the contract? <laughs> the usual suspects. <laughs> and so um, Benton interjects as Courage is like trying to tell them like, stop signing, stop. Something's wrong. This guy's a zombie. Benton actually interjects and like kicks Courage out of the kitchen straight up. Oh my God, you and- probably signs it twice as fast. Yes, you just like, oh my God, here is my signature (laughs) and uh benton like leans into muriel and tells her that she actually could be a movie star herself and he's like looking at her like yeah you look really good in pictures like you would look great in films muriel and muriel is blushing like oh my god please take me away benton take me away (laughs) Get me out of this hellhole. <laughs> and Eustace still off. What he put them back him? on. He put them. Oh, oh my god! Okay. I was like, yeah. he he like so they came okay, off. So Courage yelled, and he immediately put them back on. Okay, yeah. So cool. Muriel and Eustace are not aware, even though by his appearance, it's, it's obvious this guy is not a living human being. Yes, he was formerly living human being, maybe. Uh, no longer. So. After Muriel is told that she herself could be a movie star, Eustace just kind of cuts off the conversation like, yeah, yeah, when do we get paid? And (laughs) hilariously, I mean, hey, we mentioned it 
all of his usual cast members, they're on the plane right now. They're on their way to nowhere because Benton is like, well, we start shooting tonight. Oh, (laughs) we are ready. On yeah, they're they're on schedule, I guess. Whether they're ready or not. Uh, he then says that he would like to see the family's basement so that he can get a feel for the set and all that. He knew already that the house was perfect before seeing well, the room it. that they would yes. need to film in. Yes. So they get down there, they take him down. And Benton is just like walking around, looking, kind of scoping out and like framing the basement. Like, yeah, this is great. Really great. We'll do the, the zombie resurrection scene over there. I can use this kind of angle over here and this sort of shot. Like he's actually like going into some like actual legitimate terminology and stuff. So I'm like, okay, this guy actually may have a background as a director. Yeah. And so Muriel tells Eustace that they should straighten up around the basement before the filming starts. And surprisingly, Eustace immediately picks up a broom and gets to cleaning. He, yeah. That money. <laughs> that money. He will do anything for the money. Yeah, damn. Like, tr- okay. Trillion dollars. I'll sweep for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And Benton, meanwhile, is continuing to like scope out the basement and figure out where he wants all these big scenes to take place. Mm-hmm. And Courage is keeping his eye on him, just like following him around, looking at him. And at one point, Courage sees Benton's whole hand just like, fall, or actually, I think it was like up to his elbow, even like not just off. his hand, like just like pops off as he's like looking around the basement and stuff (laughs) freaking out again tries to run over and warn Muriel and Eustace but Benton's got some good legs because again he kicks courage just totally out of the way and is like Muriel look at me hey yeah over here you guys over here hey remember I told you you could be an actor yeah (laughs) (laughs) um But yeah, he then, Benton then actually offers Muriel the leading part in the movie. So he's like, oh, Muriel. Oh my, she's his muse. Muriel's in town now. He's going to film her feet, most likely. (laughs) (laughs) We're ready. Get ready, Muriel. I hope you got a pedicure. Yeah, those suckers off. Yeah. And because Benton, he's like, he's looking at the lighting and the basement and everything, which is funny because, so their basement, by the way, I don't know if it's been in any of the episodes we've done so far. I don't think don't we've think described so. it, but it's like, it's almost just like a tornado cellar to be real. Like it's got these okay. rickety wooden stairs coming from upstairs to go down and I'm pretty sure it's just like a dirt floor, like totally unfinished basement, brick walls, but dirt floor. And there's also like an additional cellar door that takes you actually outside of the house. So like pretty much like, like a tornado shelter and they've got like their laundry down there and stuff like that. But it's really like, again, it's not even half finished. Like it's totally unfinished, unfinished. I guess. Like, yeah, no insulation, anything like that. And it's very, it's like kind of dark too, which is the reason I'm explaining this is because it makes Benton's next line kind of funny. He's (laughs) like, in this lighting, Muriel, you look amazing. Like (laughs) to be in picture. 
<laughs> Damn, baby. in like this dark, dank basement. It's like, oh, what the no fuck? Light. Now, to be fair, he opens up like the storm door that leads outside. And so oh, you do see like the full moon, the light from that shining in. But, but still. still. <laughs> Damn. Kind of like a backhanded yeah. compliment there. Yeah. Anyway. So um, <clears throat> Muriel, she doesn't see the backhandedness of this compliment and says oh my and is again blushing and Benton says yeah yeah you'll play the victim of the zombie sacrifice (laughs) which they're great this is it's kind of like workshopping as they go like (laughs) Eustace and Muriel are learning about the movie as they're setting up for it and being casted in it (laughs) great cool cool we said yes and so Muriel, she's very excited about this casting. She's more than eager to help out and jump in, play this role. And Eustace just kind of pokes his head over and asks, well, what's my role? And Benton gives him, ass. actually, yeah, like, dude, you don't belong in this movie. Like, <laughs> so Benton gives him actually probably the best role for uh, Eustace oh. to dig the zombie's tomb. <laughs> so... <laughs> Eustace though he's like actually super down for this job because he's clearly more of a behind the camera guy so he's like (laughs) awesome hell yeah he grabs a shovel and just starts digging away because like I said before it's like only dirt on the ground Mm. in their basement so which also from a foundational standpoint doesn't sound safe at all (laughs) also from like uh you'll remember the name because I don't The filmmaker and crew union. This is not oh, like probably yeah, union approved random people oh. being like, yeah, go ahead and start digging for this set. Yeah, There's right now. Think mm-hmm. there's some violations happening. Come on, we're filming soon. Hurry up. Get that yeah, get that whole done. I have some concerns. <laughs> like, by the way, you're not the union, so you don't get health insurance or benefits either. Sorry, Sucks to suck, dude. Yeah. Yep. Go on. Um, and so at this point. Courage is like, okay, Muriel and Eustace are, they're TFG, too far gone. I can't pull them out (laughs) of this situation. So he runs upstairs to the attic and gets on the computer and decides that he should, as the good boy he is, but always like the very first thing you should do when a weird person knocks on your door and claims to be someone famous, Google them (laughs) real quick. Go Google them, research real, real quick search. Now to his benefit, it was the year like 2000 or something. So they can just like pull out their cell phone and like real quick sneak. He had to go upstairs, he had to get away from them, but he decides to do the smart thing and figure out, well, like, who is this guy? Is he really who he's claiming to be? Because in my mind, speaking as courage here, I'm just seeing a zombie. (laughs) 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 So what's going on? What the fuck is this? And so at first, Courage does have a little trouble finding any information on this guy. He's searching through all of these film databases, looking and looking, typing in like Benton Tarantella, who is this guy over and over, but he's limiting his search to film databases. And so he doesn't find anything actually. Which raises more suspicions because it's like, well, he says he's a director, so he should, of course, be in film databases. And so then he moves away from the film databases and just does like a broader, probably Google search and just types Benton Tarantella in there. Exactly. (laughs) Right. I mean, (laughs) 
I personally would have started the other way because yes, an IMDb sure. page would have been like the first thing to pop up anyways. So <laughs> you would have got there anyway, but it's cool. He's a dog. The internet was new. Yeah, he doesn't know like Boolean search tactics or whatever the fuck you call them. <laughs> so Courage, he keeps searching and he does eventually find quite a bit of old articles actually telling him just who Benton Tarantella is. And in a way, he is a bit surprised to find the information that he does, but it does at the same time kind of confirm his suspicions are correct. And so what exactly is the information that he finds about Benton Tarantella? Well, he finds out that Tarantella is in fact a film director or well, that he was a film director (laughs) at one point in time, Okay, but perhaps not the big hotshot Hollywood film director that he claimed to be. Perhaps one with a little bit of status, yes, but not like the Hollywood walk of fame type. In fact, he was an infamous film director and he was known to work with a man by the name of Errol von Volkheim. You see, they were like a filmmaking duo. And, well, they had gotten some jobs on a few big movie sets, so they kind of had some connections in the industry. And and by the way, they don't give an actual time frame for this, but we'll say that it was back in like the 40s and 50s, perhaps. So they did have a little bit of power and status in the industry, but they also weren't like big hot shots. Yeah, but they kind of Spielberg. They were no Spielberg, no. (laughs) And in fact, some of the articles that Courage found actually defines them or like describes them as amateur filmmakers. So they did their own stuff and then were like contracted to help out Mm. with other projects as well. But what was interesting was that the two were never really interested in filmmaking so much as they were uh, using their filmmaking credentials to actually lure unsuspecting victims to their death. So these so two- serial killers? They were serial killers, in fact, who hid under the guise of filmmakers, yes, to recruit people. Because, you know, back then everyone wanted an in, they just wanted yes. to be famous. And you couldn't they would take Google. whatever job you couldn't Google back then to find oh out if God. this person was truly a film director. But, you know, they say, oh, I've worked with the greatest. I've done these pictures and this picture. Mm. And look, we have our camera and this equipment here. Meet us at this location at this time. And then we'll go ahead and we'll we'll at least get some headshots for you. Uh. Unfortunately, it was a different kind of headshot they were talking about. <laughs> So, look, I don't know if these were straight up like snuff films, which <laughs> highly illegal and controversial and actually, oh, that's maybe, that may be a crime caper one day. There have been, yeah. it's super, so if you don't know what a snuff film is, I almost don't want to describe it because at least the YouTube algorithm will probably like immediately kick us off of the internet. (laughs) But essentially it is a film depicting someone being killed. Um, Really not like what you see in the movies, but an actual murder that is, but not just like a murder that you're filming because like you're filming, like, like you're actually trying to make a movie out of it. Um, Extremely deranged and Mm -hmm. extremely dark in real fucked up ways. Like, yeah. 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 It, and, it, 
it's bad. It's bad. Yeah. A lot of, a uh, lot of first amendment court stuff that had to go down to get oh, that sure. settled and <laughs> make that illegal. And I mean, it was always illegal, but people were like free speech. It's a movie, blah, blah, blah. It's like, 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 like you murdered someone. someone. Yeah. <laughs> no. Like anyway. And murdering someone on camera. No. Yeah. You Anyways. cannot do that. So um, yeah. Anyway, I don't know if Tarantella and Von Volkheim were doing like straight up snuff films or if mm. they were just like acting like they were going to film someone and then just killing them instead. Can I like a side sure. note yeah. real quick? that yeah. like there's actually a in real our our universe of all of this mm-hmm. like there's a there i don't have a like, large number but like a regular repeated pattern that you see especially in like 60s to like 80s serial killers of literally how they would lure women is saying i'm a photographer and mm-hmm. literally all they had to have was a camera and yeah, saying like you're really pretty can i take your picture and like that's all you needed back then was like, I have a camera. That means I'm a yeah. photographer. No, everyone wow. has a smartphone now. Don't yeah, ever nowadays. believe anyone when they say they're a photographer. Mm-mm, like, mm-mm. take the picture now in public or even, if you're a photographer. Yeah, yeah, because good God. Yeah. Honestly, yeah, and even if they person. are, even if they really are a photographer or like a filmmaker, still don't go with them because yeah. like Harvey Weinstein was an actual filmmaker. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, don't go with I them. Mean, he didn't kill anyone, but like he's still literally the spawn of Satan. So it's yeah. like, don't like, go with bring him. Some, you know? Bring someone you know. Yeah. Preferably maybe more than one person that you never go alone, even if they're like right. actually a filmmaker. Yeah, bring people, tell people where you're going, research mm-hmm. them, all this stuff that they could not do back then. Anyway, uh, yeah, so just like the tie to real serial killers is very real right there. <laughs> very, very real here. Yes. yes. And like the motivation slash the, the MO of, yeah. you know, how they're getting all of these victims. It's like, unfortunately, very, very real. And the yeah, writers were clearly real. inspired by real world events to put this yes. one together. Exactly. So Grace, as you noted, yeah, you couldn't research stuff back then. You couldn't look mm-hmm. things up. So it was very easy for people to fall into these traps and be tricked by uh, yeah. Tarantella and Von Volkheim. So easy that uh, that we know of, or at least that courage is able to find So there's probably more, but Mm -hmm. there were at least 12 people who they killed during these exploits. Yo, what? Straight up serial killers. 12 people. Full serial killer status. So thank God justice was served and these two were put behind bars eventually. Yes. And so, yeah, there were 12 people that we know of before them being put behind bars. Good, good, good. But the system somewhat failed when it found that von Bolkheim had served many years on good behavior and that he was, he was doing fine in prison. He was helping out. He was tutoring the others. He was actually leading the prison theater troupe <laughs> as their director. Five, six, seven, eight. And go. No, no, no. You hold the camera this way. Yeah. This angle. Um, So eventually his sentence was commuted and he was released from jail. But meanwhile, Tarantella, isn't it? It is, you know, it's like, I I am, I am, and I'm all for prison reform. I'm for it. But this guy's a serial killer. Some people do. Yeah, it's like, if you know for a fact that this is the guy that did it, 
Yeah. Mm. I'm gonna kill again if you are to kill 12. I, I, I believe everyone can be reformed. Actually, I yes. don't believe everyone. There's a fine line. Anyway. Exactly. Whatever. It's complicated. Different different podcast. Different Not podcast. right. I'm sorry <laughs> I brought that up. It's okay. It's a, lot it's, of feelings it's a very good thing feelings. to talk about. <laughs> no, that's fair. Fair conversation. I'm the one who yeah. brought up this episode about a reformed, maybe criminal. So <laughs> it was ripe to happen. Anyway, yep. so Von Bolkheim, he had good, he was on good behavior. His sentence was commuted. He was released. But mm. Tarantella, he was not so reformed. He never really, mm. you know, he didn't want to be part of the prison theater gang or troop. <laughs> he didn't want to tutor anyone. Uh, and so he stayed back in jail. Oh, he was course. never released. And he report he reportedly died in jail. Okay. And so courage, he finds out this information. And it's actually, it's so adorable. He lets out a little like, yes, <laughs> when he finds it out, like, yes, I'm right. he's like, one, I'm right. And two, Tarantella is actually dead. But then he's <laughs> like, wait a minute. But where is this other guy, this Von Volkheim oh, guy? Right. And the computer tells him that Von Volkheim has also died. Okay. Which at first courage is happy about. Yeah. But the computer then goes on to tell him that Von Volkheim was buried in a cemetery, again, which Courage is happy about. And if you were around a couple weeks ago, I mentioned yes. that spirits tend to be happier and they remain in the beyond yes. if you treat them nicely when they're buried and given yes. a proper burial. Exactly. Yeah. Do what they want. They don't come up and curse you. But then the computer finishes his sentence and says that the cemetery is actually underneath the bag family farm. Oh my God. <laughs> of course. Which, how old is the cemetery? <laughs> and how old is this farm? Because I'm like, Eustace has lived there his whole life. So yeah. maybe the cemetery was built in like, I don't know, the early, early 19, huh? I don't know. It's a, a lot of stuff going on May, oh i guess after sorry this is kind of a tangent but since it is our last episode of courage we did yes. say we may come back for some like overarching wild speculation, speculation at the end. end of this so yes. let me let me finish this up real quick so Let's we put can a pin get in to that, that. Go to that yeah yes, we'll, we'll get back you. to that in okay, a minute. Okay, and okay, i am i am getting close to the end here so we'll we'll get to that in a well, second but it. yeah so uh Courage, he finds out that Von Volkheim was buried under the farmhouse. And now he is freaking out because he's like, okay, I know for a fact that Tarantella is dead and is a zombie. And I also know that he is having Eustace dig a hole in yeah. filming some sort of zombie resurrection movie yes. also in the basement over which, yeah. And yes, Muriel is currently tied to a table. <laughs> <laughs> in the basement yes or actually i should say we see in the next scene that she's back now. down yeah. in the basement that benton is currently tying her down to a table as eustace continues to dig this hole for the zombie to come out of and so benton he's opened up the storm door in the basement and it just we look out and see <laughs> the moon and some planet slowly <laughs> moving right in front of it. Ah, uh, classic. Look, y'all, I'm not a scientist. I am pretty sure that there isn't a planet that comes in between Earth and the moon because we would be having some serious fucking problems if it was. <laughs> this is like an eclipse. But it's an it, it, but with what? I'm not sure. It's, it's nighttime. Eclipse? It's not the sun. I mean, I'm not going to lie. It looks like Mercury. 
because it's yeah, small happen. and red, but like that's yeah, not a lot of issues. We would have some problems. Yes, if this was happening. We won't so, question it. So, I'm sorry. I don't know what it is. Sue me, <laughs> but actually don't okay. sue the writers of this episode. <laughs> anyway, these planets are aligning, starting to align right as Benton opens up the storm door. And he is continuing to strap Muriel down to a table. And so Benton, he's a little distracted by doing that. And Courage kind of sneaks back down into the basement and is able to grab a script off of the table or the script. It's like the master copy. And he skims over it and he's reading it out loud. And this is the breakdown of the movie. It's very funny, actually. Scene one, fool old people. (laughs) Scene two, (laughs) dig big hole. (laughs) Scene three, when planets align, dead partner rises from the grave. (laughs) And scene four. It's easy to be a director. Go on. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't know that making movies was this easy. (laughs) And scene four, eat old lady. Uh, oh shit uh so which rightfully freaks the fuck out of courage he's like screaming like oh no and so he runs towards muriel again trying to get her and save her one last time and convince them to stop helping benton with this movie but benton grabs courage's arm saying oh perfect just in time doggy i have a great role for you uh you get to play a dog who was locked up in that trunk over there oh no (laughs) so he uh, benton he like waves over eustace and this is the role that Eustace clearly wanted all along. Oh, he picks up way. courage, yeah, and throws him into the trunk and locks it. And oh, no. it is mean that he does it, but very hilariously, as he grabs courage, Eustace is like, stupid overacting dog. <laughs> Quit stealing my scenes. <laughs> it's my time to shine. <laughs> this is my movie, damn it. I dig this hole. I put my sweat in for this. <laughs> So Benton, he goes back to the stairs by the storm door and he's looking to see if the planets are a bit closer to finishing their alignment right over the farmhouse. And again, in like his kind of cool suave voice, he's like, the light is perfect. Mm. Like, let's go ahead. Let's, let's, let's roll camera. (laughs) Let's go. And at this point, thank you. <laughs> at this point, I ask and wonder how Muriel and Eustace have not asked, where are the cameramen and crew? <laughs> this is like rehearsal? <laughs> yeah, they're on their way. They got trapped up at the rehearsal and got stuck. And they're now they're, they're lost. The <laughs> yeah, there's Not like nothing around it. It's the only building in like a 10 mile <laughs> radius. Where is this thing? <laughs> Where are we? Where are we? Oh, no. Oh, God. Yeah. So clearly this is going well. Um, <laughs> so Eustace at this point, he's just kind of like looking around like, well, now what do I do? I dug the hole. I locked up courage and you want to start rolling and Benton's like, oh, well actually perfect. You're free. Um, you'll be the cameraman actually. Huh? This works. All you have to do is run the camera. And he like, does this creepy weird laugh? Like, Uh. ew. Okay. Uh 
And so hilariously, again, Eustace is very funny in this episode, I will say. He uh-huh. um, immediately asks after getting this massive promotion, do <laughs> I get paid extra? <laughs> <laughs> question advocate for yourself yeah, yeah true yeah pay equity we need it we need to normalize <laughs> talking about salaries in the workplace <laughs> and so benton even more hilariously responds like sure <laughs> because he's like i'm gonna eat you anyway yeah, I'm, like, like, yes, I'm gonna kill yes, you so sure. soon why not <laughs> that's why i'm giving you a trillion dollars too like sure we'll give you a trillion and five hundred thousand yeah, why not so Eustace, he heads towards the camera and very, again, hilariously, he's like Wait, so scratching his now? Uh, Yeah, there is a camera down there now. I don't know. Okay, Benton right. maybe did actually bring it in. Yeah, but like no one was okay. using it. Like Benton probably There's doesn't no even crew. know how to use it. I don't There's yeah. no crew. And yeah, again, even Eustace does not really count as crew because he walks up to it and he's just like scratching his head, like looking at this thing, like, um... What do I? <laughs> I think it's on. What do, <laughs> what, what do I do? Oh, and no. Benton, as soon as Quentin, or as, as soon as Quentin, Quentin, oh my God, as soon as Eustace gets over to the camera, Benton is like, all right, roll camera. Let's go. Come on. Just like, okay. So Courage, meanwhile, while Eustace is trying to get used to the camera, Courage breaks out of the locked trunk and he sneaks his way back towards the desk where the script is sitting. And he just like starts rewriting the script. He's like, okay, fine. Like if this dude is like so married to the script, then let's just rewrite it. And so he's like going through scribbling real quick. And then he just like slaps it back on the desk and (laughs) runs back into the trunk to hide. (laughs) (laughs) I was never here. (laughs) And so as the planets fully align outside the farmhouse, we see a green light, like shoot down from the moon into the basement through the storm door right into the hole that Eustace dug and out of this hole in very like classic horror cinematic fashion you just see an arm like shoot (laughs) out this like pale white arm and then you see another arm and then just like it lifts up this body of a zombie who's just like shrieking and howling at the moon essentially it's like undead zombie revenant of von volkheim and he's got this like purplish like lavender maybe robe of sorts that's very like Mm. ripped up and tattered and a few strands of white hair just poking (laughs) out of his head a few teeth and only one eye that's just like popping out and he has a very thick German accent, yes, which actually good. I wish that you could do because I love your German accent that you do. <laughs> I don't know if I oh, can do it. We'll see. I'll try it maybe when he talks later. Okay, but yeah. anyway, so Eustace is like standing behind the camera capturing all of this. And hilariously, he's just like, wow, great effects. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my wow, God, they don't know how any magic. of this works. Wow. Wow, early so, CGI. <laughs> the early days. <laughs> um, so yeah, they have no idea how much danger they are in. Because again, Muriel is still tied to this table. That's right. Leaning into her lead role as the zombie sacrifice. Oh. 
And after Errol von Bolkheim, the zombie, the revenant, whatever, of <laughs> Errol von Bolkheim climbs out of this tomb, which again, just skimming over the fact that they've been living over this dead man graveyard, for all of this yes. time, this graveyard, the cemetery. Yes. Benton, he walks up to Errol and the two, they just like have this massive hug, hug it out, like talking mm-hmm. about how much they missed each other after so many years apart. Like, oh, I missed you, my dear friend. And Benton's like, all right, well, let's set up for the next shot. <laughs> and Errol, okay, I'm going to try it. Errol's like, gah. I'm starving. <laughs> I don't know. That might've been Russian. I don't know. I, I mash all of them together. We'll, we'll, we'll see. Maybe there'll be some French in there too. So <laughs> yeah, you won't I don't know. Yeah. Eustace, um, or sorry. So Benton then tells Eustace that this scene features Mr. Von Bolkheim and himself, Benton, as newly risen zombies about to devour Muriel. <laughs> at that point, he's like, and since I'm in this scene, Eustace, I'm actually going to promote you to director. So oh, you wow. get to call the shots on, oh, no. yeah, for, for this one. And again, Thinking like a good hey. employee, you just like, what's the pay? <laughs> yes, what are you going to pay me? Negotiate. To which Benton says, tons. <laughs> Again. Great. So clear. And Eustace just says, deal. Let's roll camera. <laughs> awesome. So good. Benton and Errol, they slowly make their way towards Muriel, who is still tied down onto this table. And actually, let me say, and maybe for the end of our Courage arc, this is like a good way to depict Eustace one last time here. He actually does something kind of adorable here towards Mariel. And I'm like, okay, a broken clock is still right. Or yeah, still right twice a day. (laughs) I know. And it's the bare minimum what he does here. But I still was like, Aww, when I watched yes. it. So Benton and Errol, they're walking towards Muriel and asking if Eustace has the shot and if they're ready. But Benton or but Eustace is like, hold on, cut, 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 move out of the way. I can't even see Muriel's face. <laughs> and I know it like doesn't even sound cute, but I was like, oh, you wanted him. to make sure that yeah, I know. It's like, oh, like, he wanted her in the shot. It's literally the star. Is literally the bare minimum to make sure that the star of the movie's face is in the shot. But the fact that Eustace of all people is the one that said it, I was like, oh, Eustace, he wants to make sure Muriel he's gets in the beautiful. shot. Yeah. But it's also because he's like, he's like pretty firm with these guys. He's like, move oh, over, like yelling. I'm like, you go, Eustace. You. Cool. Yeah. Still hate Take you, charge. but like, oh, yeah. yeah. Broken clock. This is one of those two times in the day. Yeah, so really. after that, after Eustace confirms that Muriel can be seen and that everything's yeah. good with the shot, Benton tells them to te- check the script one more time to make sure that they're ready to start rolling. And so Eustace walks back over to the table where the script is sitting and he grabs it and starts to read it out loud. And remember, Courage has made some little, just some little Edit. creative edits to it, so to speak. And so he reads it out loud and he's like, all right, well, it says in the next scene, the big zombie lets the dog out of the box. <laughs> And Benton just walks over like, what? (laughs) 
<laughs> like that can't be right. I didn't write that. Is like that's what it says. Pinkton like grabs the script from him. Like, hmm. well, if it's in the script, okay. <laughs> so he walks yeah, over. You're not the director now, buddy. Yeah, it's out of your hands, dude. This this is above your pay grade. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're below the line now, Benton. Sorry. You so he, he goes over and he lets courage out of the trunk. Mm-hmm. And then he looks over at Eustace and is like, okay, now what, what's the next scene? <laughs> Eustace is like, well, it says next that the zombies go back in the hole and the dog buries them. <laughs> <laughs> at this point, Benton has like an existential, like a director's crisis. Like what? (laughs) This is not my work. This is not my work. (laughs) I would never write such drivel. Yeah. And Von Volkheim, meanwhile, is like still just like standing over there. Like, I cannot believe, like, I can't believe it. You are such a lousy writer. Sorry. You are such a lousy writer. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you have always been a lousy oh, like that. Damn. <laughs> oh, and he's like face palming as he says it, like damn. you're so terrible at your job. Yeah. <laughs> so ooh shit. Gauntlet down. Yikes. Throne. Let's go. Challenge. Real on. relationship. Benton like tries to defend himself like it's not my work I promise <laughs> you I didn't write this I would never write something like this but Von Volkheim again he's not having it he's like mm. I can't I come all this way just for you to write me back in the grave that's <laughs> oh, it damn. our partnership is kaput <laughs> oh, <laughs> once damn. and for all yeah so they're done and so damn. Von Volkheim at this point is like I don't ever want to work with you again, dude. And he actually just like crawls right back into the tent. <laughs> He's like, you I was peacefully dead. I know. Like, like I didn't want to get called. raised from the dead. You could have yeah. called you before raising Shirley. me from the dead. <laughs> to check Shirley if just I walks this. in. Ah. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> you did not ask permission for this. And so Benton at this point, though, he's like also climbing back into the tomb <laughs> too. Like, I must follow my script. Which makes me wonder, I'm like, did he come out of there? I don't think he did. So he's just like going to be like, well, he's now I'm just going to join you in here. Yeah, the hole's yeah, big enough. Yeah, you can't get rid of me. And he's like, well, who wants to work with a hack like you anyway, Von Volkheim? So um, I personally just want to say, oh, okay. Sorry, let me say first. Courage then runs in and he like fills up the hole very quickly, sealing the zombies oh, down below. Da da da. Good boy, whatever. Good boy. And now let me just say that I would personally love to see like a sitcom between Errol von Volkheim and Benton Tarantella like living like their whole life in this hole under there. These bickering besties slash former business associates like serial killers whatever yeah but like you see it's in like total cartoon fashion you see in the hole they have like a whole like living room set up it's like the situation exactly like all the different like people that were buried there Uh that'd just be hilarious almost like grace and frankie type of situation (laughs) like old people they're forced together and they don't want to be exactly Um, for sure so anyway after courage seals up that hole and the the zombies are trapped back down below hilariously again eustace says wow i never saw that ending coming (laughs) (laughs) and muriel is still tied to the table mind you she's like huh she's like what happened i missed it did i get the shot (laughs) 
Yeah. Kind of line. <laughs> Just scream. That's your only line is to <laughs> scream. You're not you know, a girl. <laughs> look terrified that you're about to get eaten by a zombie. Uh, but anyway, so courage, he sets her free and she, Muriel's still totally unaware of the danger that they were just in is like, oh, isn't this so exciting? Courage, a Hollywood production. Oh. <laughs> and so the episode ends with the planets unaligning oh. or whatever. And the family is right back to what they were doing before Benton got there watching tv in the family room but this time they're enjoying the footage that they captured down in the basement (laughs) (laughs) it's just like probably like a crooked camera like on the floor you just see like heat and stuff like walking and like picking the camera back up and then walking away checking the light and everything like like they like didn't film anything Oh, uh, the next stars. is pretty much the end. <laughs> wow. And so, as you can that tell, they definitely deserved a vacation after literally yeah. almost being eaten by zombies, whether they knew it or not. My guess is uh, Courage was probably like, fuck this. I'm getting us the fuck out of here. You this was what? way too close of a call. He booked the trip, didn't really tell Muriel and Eustace. So they were just like, <laughs> okay. all right, we're going to Antarctica. Well, I was going to say, or... Uh... Because at, at some point, like while you're talking, I was like, why the contract? Like, why did the zombie even bother with the contract? I bet Eustace brought that to like Benton's estate and was like, you owe me a trillion dollars. <laughs> Here's the contract. It's his signature. So Y'all owe me and now like owns his estate. Mm-hmm. And thus they afforded the trip to Antarctica from last episode. <laughs> That's there how you they go. did it. Benton yep. has a bad lawyer because I would have argued a dead man can't sign the contract. Are you kidding me? <laughs> but no, the, the lawyer's like, my hands are tied. Movies. My hands are tied. He signed it. I don't know how. He died years <laughs> ago. But fuck, we have to redirect this estate from his children and Actually, give it to this old farm man. <laughs> probably the lawyer is like, I have had to be a lawyer for goddamn serial killer for fucking decades. Get me out of this contract. Get me the fuck out of this. Take please. it. Take it all. <laughs> Take it all and I'm clean of the serial killer. Get me out. Save me. Wait, yeah. he's not going to come eat my brains, is he? <laughs> oh, shit. That was from the contract, though, if I ever broke it. Oh, oh God. No. Oh, God. Fuck it. Oh, well. Wait, you oh, really wow. buried him? You really yeah, buried like, them? Which, on it. I will add, actually, Vincent Tarantella mm-hmm. does make another appearance in another episode of Courage oh, later on shit. down the road. I think in season four. So, yeah. So, okay. he's still around. He is still around. You know, this was our final Courage episode. Mm-hmm. Like all of our other shows, we say for now and because there are recurring characters i think we'll definitely have to come back to courage to specifically do the recurring characters and tie them into our various speculations and absolutely the clutching foot appears again too from my last episode yes Yes. so there yes snowman Mm -hmm. but we got some we got the quack Look yeah. back is in a yes. lot of episodes. Um, yes. Yeah. So there, and there's a lot of very, very notable and memorable villains and monsters from the show who we haven't even gotten to yes, yet. I can think of touch. several off the top of my head. Yes. So we will definitely we'll be to. back at Courage one day in the future. But can we real quick to just tie a bow on this wonderful mm-hmm. arc of ours? Because it's uh-huh. been a very fun eight weeks talking yes. about the show. Yes. 
what the fuck is going on in nowhere kansas (laughs) why are all of these weird half human monster animal type things like what is happening (laughs) every other show we've talked about they either live in a world of animals, you know, like Rescue yeah. Rangers has a whole animal world adjacent mm-hmm. to the real world. Darkwing Duck is just, St. Canard is just animals. It's like yeah. just all, yeah. Scooby-Doo, it's real people putting on masks. Yes. What the fuck is going on with Doc Gerbil, <laughs> Shirley, a talking chihuahua who's a medium? <laughs> yeah. You know, I think that this was a good episode to be able to speculate with that on. Because, and I know you said that you definitely have some theories and thoughts, but I do want to point out of the like, well, a couple, three, I think three main factors of one, I think we've decided that nowhere is basically those like older Missouri towns Mm -hmm. during like prohibition where like crime was just a safe, like crime was allowed outside of city borders, but all criminals would not be prosecuted in town. So one, I think that's why some so many just straight up criminals go there although with like the maria and mono situation mm-hmm. maybe it was because they committed crime within the borders that they were like you broke our one rule you stole that jewel and identity yeah come on guys one rule. yeah and same with, come like, on we're gonna getting work arrested with you. yeah right. being like you we had one rule and you broke it mm-hmm. um two uh from the episode this really the medium episode in which we um uh, meet Horst, Eustace's brother, and all of definitely the cursed treasure broken or buried throughout the property. Um, yeah, definitely brought other curses. And then I think the fact that yes, this is clearly a huge. I would w- wouldn't even just say like this is just like a normal graveyard. I would say this is probably like a graveyard of criminals because even though the yes. the bond whatever like got out on good behavior like he was still a serial killer so like (laughs) he maybe got buried among other criminals so i think it's just like ripe for curses and spooky ooky things and Mm -hmm. Mm. yeah i like i like that i have i have one other theory but i'm gonna touch on that last one first i like that the idea is that they just live on this graveyard full of old criminals because to that degree i would even like amend my last the clutching foot episode and be like oh "Oh, they were killed but then someone just like buried them out in the middle of nowhere in that cemetery and then they arose and their spirits were already at the house they didn't Mm. but i wanted to talk about astral projections so fuck it (laughs) i couldn't talk about it that much they lived under the house but i do like that theory well i think if it still makes sense of like because like you said like there's so much uh like there was an opening like an area that was ripe for opening from Mm -hmm. the astral fill in the blank plane since it at the back there was already a lot of activity around the bag house so they just get drawn to it already Yeah, pretty much, which explains like, yeah, all the other random monsters mm-hmm. that show up there too. They're like, we just feel something different here. Yeah, there's something I like, going on here. I think I like that one the best in terms of like mm. keeping to the themes of like the spookiness and the creepiness yeah. of courage and like tying it into like the horror and the mystery. Like, yeah, they just live over a, grave- a graveyard that's like ultra haunted mm-hmm. with criminals. And it was also slash cursed by Eustace's brother when yes. they were way younger. Lots of curses. 
as just a wild speculation theory that I also like, which like it could kind of coexist with this haunted graveyard theory in a way. Maybe it could explain the likes of Doc Gerbil and some of these other cats who we we didn't get to. That's another major villain. Um, and this one has floated around the internet too, and I've seen it before. Ooh. Pretty much people suspect that Nowhere is honestly just like a super fun site. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, about to say, it's like radiation. Like a radi- yeah, or like radioactive waste or something. <laughs> and it, it used to be like a testing area or something because it's like middle of nowhere, you know, where they used to test like bombs and shit, like yes. off those military bases. And that somehow Ooh. like they weren't evacuated in time, the Bag family, and they just like <gasps> stayed back it doesn't explain why they aren't mutated but like explains why all these random mutated animals keep like trying so. to kill them <laughs> and, like <laughs> yeah like keep appearing so yeah. actually here this is weirdly a topic that i know a lot about because there's a lot of mm. environmental ties yes. but yeah. essentially yeah so like in 50s and 60s this is a huge thing in like southern nevada when they were testing like nuclear bombs Mm -hmm. fun fact it's now created um what's called downwinder communities because literally the Mm -hmm. radiation would flow downwind and so nevada southern utah have a ton but it also like has range like they've basically like been able to trace it like all the way north to like montana and shit but Mm -hmm. back in the day uh this is again like the 50s the government would straight up and there's like radio recordings or some pictures of this. It was like a family event to go watch the bombs go off. And so there's pictures of like families yeah. with sunglasses on with like mil- like army people like standing all around them while you see the mushroom yeah. clouds. So like direct radiation. It was like announced on the radio of like, it's totally safe. Come this Saturday, like bring your family as like a oh cute family picnic. So that's a very real thing. That yep. straight up happened. So I would like to now double pause it, merging <laughs> all of these things together, which is the army, which again, like, uh, because there's this whole, whole thing in, again, like this downwinder fight that's still happening today for compensation, all of this stuff, um, that, uh, because it's basically the question of like, did the government know? Yeah, fucking obviously they knew um, that they were poisoning these innocent people just so that they could like say it was safe and mm-hmm. do these big bombs and you know and get like more patriotism. Hey, yes, yeah, exactly. Look what we got. <laughs> yeah, look at our big old bombs. Yeah, um, all that type of stuff that they specifically picked nowhere as the testing ground for it because they knew nowhere was a town of criminals. What does America think about criminals? They don't care about them. They, they don't deserve to live. They're not yeah, worth at anything. all. They're so they humans. were like, <laughs> let's solve this problem of all of our criminals that we know are here, but it's just like too hard to figure mm-hmm. it out. So let's just kill them all. And then like, oops, we accidentally mutated them. But it was yeah. like, again, I know maybe there like used to be like a prison, like a super max there. And thus mm-hmm. that's why that was the graveyard. But yeah. also they were like, yeah oh let's also maybe like use the prisoners like for like uh, like for quote-unquote prison jobs aka 
modern <laughs> slavery to like exactly. work yeah. these grounds yes. and thus poisoned everyone. So it's yes. an all and of they the were above. even more exposed to the radioactive yes. waste and the fallout. Exactly. Yes. Yep. Yep. I and all of I, the above conspiracy by me, by us. <laughs> I think that John Dilworth, the man who directed, uh-huh, I think actually this. every single episode of Courage, yep. owes us a nice big fat check. <laughs> We for put it together to put it together put a Solve real it. slash kind of realistic story behind or backstory behind mm-hmm. uh the town of newark kansas to explain where the yep. fuck all of these monsters and criminal mutated criminals came from because i will Same. even add even the normal ones like maria and mano from my yeah. Bago episode maria had like bloodshot, bloodshot red eyes, eyes. well uh, and it was looks mono. like she maybe had some Still and arm. then mano was literally just an arm <laughs> And they had just escaped prison. Prison, exactly. So, like, there's clearly a Supermax nearby somewhere. Yep. Yeah. It all comes together. So well, it's and out. as a final courage note, I don't want to mm-hmm. make any uh, any excuse for this, but maybe the radiation is why Eustace was such a horrible be- human being. Maybe. Again, yeah. our true criminal, yes. the abusive Eustace. And the maybe abusive. he was just drinking that radiation from a real young age, and that's just yeah. why he became a monster of his own. And fucked with and, his mind. And that's why yep. Muriel is so oblivious. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it explains exactly. everything. And that's why courage can like shape shift and stuff. Right. Yeah. It's know. like solve all the problems. Um, yeah. So yeah, boom, that's Solid. it. That's it. And you know what? Not if, but when we come back to courage in yes, the future, when. we are going we'll continue to continue to build building off of yes, that backstory yes, because absolutely. that's it's canon now, as far as uh, yeah, as far as we're about, concerned. Yeah. So yeah, everything we say cool. is canon to me. <laughs> Walker question it. That's, the, it's a dangerous way to live. One hundred percent. No science. Canon. Real life yeah. canon to me now. Canon, I don't know. Yep. Romanian war or something. Oh, yeah. Civil war. I don't know. Hey, sounds I mean, right. We say <laughs> cool. it. We're on the internet now, so it must be true. Yes, yeah, so it must be true. <laughs> yes. You're welcome. No misinformation here. Uh, so <laughs> anyway, yeah, it's been a great eight weeks to encourage, but yes. we are so, so, so I cannot stress how so excited we are to do what we are going to do after courage should we like drop a hint i guess like just look down at at your calendar and yes think about what what month is coming up next after uh today's episode and yeah we're gonna we're gonna base it on that but until then when we bring you this fun new arc that we will be doing starting next week Mm -hmm. who grace should they tell about this podcast you know, it's kind of going to be similar to my last, who they should tell on the last one, where we asked you to tag people on Twitter and stuff. Mm-hmm. Start tagging Quentin Tarantino on yeah. Twitter and Does Instagram. I don't Maybe. know. Or people who have been in his films at a yes. minimum. Or I don't his, know if like, he does because he's kind of reclusive, but maybe. Yeah. Start writing yeah. letters uh, or like his if production you- company letters and tagging them on Twitter and stuff and be like, <laughs> watch this episode and don't sue over and if you it put pictures it, of your feet in it he will definitely respond <laughs> i'll retweet that real fast but also <laughs> don't sue because basically this this show not us courage the cowardly dog is basically saying that you're a serial killer 
But Saturday Morning Mysteries is just retelling an episode of exactly. Things. But I right. think he would like this show. He likes weird stuff. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I totally see Quentin Tarantino being a fan of yeah. Saturday so, Morning Mysteries. Yeah. So tap Quentin sure. Tarantino or his production company or all of his various his little gang that he usually has. Um, mm-hmm. And who else should they tell? Mm, that's a tough one to follow up because it's like damn I mean after you tell Quentin Tarantino who else do you tell who else? I, <laughs> I mean I guess to that end tell Spielberg as well <laughs> oh geez no, we mentioned him yeah we, we did we mentioned him in this one and you know Von Volkheim he's based off of a real director too but I can't oh, remember really? who it's some German old German director who uh, I, have no, I don't remember the name so I don't know just google every German director and like just start <laughs> telling them to but definitely tell Spielberg who actually well was he like a German Jew Spielberg anyway I don't know because uh, <laughs> if so then that's two birds one stone <laughs> yeah yeah German directors he German yeah. descent or at least like German lineage yeah I yeah think so. I think he might have been actually <laughs> do that so tell Spielberg as well. yeah. he may actually be on social media so like tweet IG directly at him yep <laughs> Boom. we'll see Spread how that the word goes. To, to the directors <laughs> yes um Great. Cool. And we'll see y'all next week for some uh, very special Saturday morning mysteries. And uh, Indeed. we'll see you then. Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to Saturday Morning Mysteries. If you enjoyed this episode, please share, rate, review, leave us a like, and drop a comment. We post episodes every Saturday and bonus tune tangents whenever we feel like it. So please subscribe so you don't miss the shenanigans. And if you want to follow us on YouTube, click the bell under the YouTube subscribe button to receive notifications when new videos are posted. And if you want to subscribe to the podcast, we have no idea what you're listening to us on. So just hit the big subscribe button on whatever app you're using. We, we believe in you. Give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram at Satmore Mist, all the abreeds. And let us know if you have any episode or show requests by emailing SaturdayMorningMysteries at gmail.com. Thanks to Jenna Kendall for the logo design and to Ava Sakiki for the music used during this week's episode. See y'all groovy kids next week on Saturday Morning Mysteries.